quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast, the only paranormal podcast hosted by us, Noelle and Nicole. I mean, unless you host another paranormal podcast I don't know about. No, no, just this one. Oh, but wait, I do have that other podcast called Considerably Abnormal, but it's just, it's totally completely different from Quite Unusual. Okay, well, I'm suing you because it sounds identical. (laughs) No. I'm just kidding. This is the only podcast for me. You know that. Aw, babe. Well, today we are talking about a haunted horror story turned Mm. into a real life horror story, which some of you might not be familiar with, but get ready because you will be. It's called St. Anne's Retreat. Uh, It's located in Logan Canyon, Utah, and I had no idea about any of this until you told me about it, Nicole. Well, I had no idea about any of it until Zach Bagans told me about it on Ghost Adventures. Bless. Blessed be thy Bagans. (laughs) There is a Ghost Adventures episode on this. In this house, we believe in three things, okay? If you'll just look behind you at the beautiful Mm -hmm. piece of artwork that I have hand-carved into wood. It says, one, ghosts. Two, adventures. Mm. Three, that Zach Bagans wears glasses because a demon tried to take his sight. And those are the things that we believe in this house. Well, that's completely accurate. Demons took Zach's ability to see. Demons made Zach go cross-eyed. And now he must wear thick-rimmed glasses. It's called fashion. Look it up. Fashion Easto. <laughs> Speaking of Bagans news, have you heard that he uh, is currently feuding with the owner of the real Annabelle, Annabelle doll? <laughs> I did hear this. Apparently, he, like, grabbed the doll's foot, but he says that he doesn't remember, (laughs) probably because a demon made him do it. But I guess the owner, Tony, like, demanded first-class plane tickets for him and Annabelle to get to Las Vegas to his museum or something, and he's, like, mad about that, too. Right. Well, okay. (laughs) I mean, he, this guy made him buy a plane ticket for his fucking doll. Right. Okay. And also... Just going to put this out there, okay? Can Mm -hmm. we talk about how much I would flip the (laughs) fuck out if Annabelle was on a plane with me? Can you imagine? Like, be like, oh, sorry, this is my seat, and there's a fucking Annabelle doll in it. It would just be like, re, 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 like, and, like, zoom in on, like, the face really close, and then I would cry, and then I would demand to get off the plane, and I would pull a full-on fucking Karen because I am not flying with Annabelle. (laughs) He's like, oh, I'm sorry. She really wanted the window seat. I'm sure you don't mind, right? Oh, and its head, like, slowly turns and looks at me. (laughs) I would piss myself. I I would, too. Not into it. Not great. Don't like it. My question is, is did he like bring it in the glass case on the plane and sit it, just sit it now down on the seat? I don't know, actually. Or was it like out of the case? Like, (laughs) and why wasn't the whole plane then haunted? What if he like put it in like a duffel bag and like its little stupid arm was like hanging out the side? (laughs) Sorry, my phone wasn't on. Do not disturb. It was on. Please disturb. Mm. Okay, so we'll talk more about Zach Bagans later, who, let's be honest, is basically my spirit animal. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the way he pulls off those black Jinko jeans, do not get me started. I was going to say, you guys have the same clothes, so. We have virtually the same closet. It's incredible. (laughs) I want to talk about St. Anne's Retreat, okay? Which is what we're here for, which is what I feel like maybe we should just jump into. I think we should, too. I do want to point out that while researching this, I saw two different ways of spelling it. One with an E and one without. 
So I'm not sure. I read somewhere that it's without any. Oh. But everywhere I looked, it was either or. So I think we're going to go without the E. Okay. Well, I will pronounce Anne without the E. Any. <laughs> Instead of like any, I'll just be like Anne. Yeah. Anne. A hard, a hard stop. So like a hard N. N. Yeah. Which is a very soft letter. So I don't know how to make that super hard. <laughs> nah. N. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to continue with St. Anne's Retreat. It is a private vacation resort located in Logan Canyon, Utah, which is like in the northern part of the state. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar at all with Utahology. I've, I've been to Salt Lake City and that's about it. Yeah, same. I think that's where most people go and then they leave yeah. Utah. Yeah, cuz I mean you can't really I mean you can drink there, but you can't really drink, you know, no. get down and party. Yeah. It's not like a party state. Mm-mm. Well, the camp originally opened in 1910 under the name Hatches Camp. It's also been called Pine Glen Cove, and obviously now it's called St. Anne's Retreat. Mm -hmm. It's a series of summer cabins that was built by the Hatch family, who at the time was regarded as one of the wealthiest families in America, which, Mm. fun fact, they owned two of the big five movie production studios, RKO and Paramount. Really? Yeah. I'd like to also point out that while I was doing my research, the father of the Hatch family was named... Uh hezekiah eastman hatch so i'm just gonna leave that there hezekiah 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 something from like children of the corn or something that's incredible this Mm. family has some amazing names i saw somewhere in there there was a woman named hortense also hortense hortense hatch okay i'm here they're big on the h's yeah you got to get that h in there the hard h's so again a very soft letter very soft (laughs) So in 1951, the family no longer used the camp, so they offered it up to the Mormon church because, duh, we're in Utah. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said no thanks. Oh. And then they offered it to the Utah State University. They also said no thanks. So as a last resort, it was donated to the Catholic church that was residing in Logan at the time. The church renamed it St. Anne's Retreat in 1959. And the nuns stayed there sporadically, which is why it's technically not considered a nunnery or a convent, which I Mm. saw all over the internet, but they didn't live there basically full time. It was like a summer camp. So you mean to tell me that these people were just giving it away and people just refused the Mormon church and the Utah State University were just like, nah, we're good. Yeah, they said no thanks. Can you imagine being so rich that you just have all of this land and you don't need it anymore so you can just give it away? Well, it seems that I've got just too much land and I just I just don't want it. So sisters of the Holy Cross, if you would like it, the moment said no, so it's yours. Well, not only did they like give it away, they couldn't even find anyone to take it for free. I know. That's crazy kind of makes you question what's going on there yeah a little bit Mm. and also it's not like the catholic church couldn't afford to buy it so come on (laughs) well the sisters of the holy cross used it as a religious retreat or like sort of a little vacay place Mm, like you know like things are just weighing on your shoulders a little bit so you just want to take a break and like Mm. pray for 18 hours a day so they would go there that's your break is praying for 18 hours a day i think if you're a nun yeah true So why are we talking about a summer camp for nuns? Well, because it's super freaking haunted. Mm -hmm. There's tons and tons of fun legends surrounding this location, but I'm going to talk about a couple that I love the most. 
Okay. If you can say love about some of these terrible things that we're going to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. So it was only after the Catholic Church took over the property that rumors started to circulate that St. Anne's retreat was haunted. The story of the hauntings really starts with the claim that pregnant nuns were sent to the camp to, to come to full term in hiding. These nuns supposedly became pregnant by priests and by cardinals. Oh, shit. Yeah, which, um, sure, there's probably, like, some nuns out there that like to party or, like... <laughs> the party nuns. The party nuns. Um, the fun nuns. Or, I don't know if, like, there were some young pregnant girls that were forced into a life of, like, religious reform, maybe, by their family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that. But my gut feeling is just telling me that it's probably mostly, like, some rapey stuff going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, knowing what I know about the Catholic Church. Right. The Catholic Church doesn't have the best track record. And we all know they like to cover that shit up. So, I guess it's hard to really know what to believe. Right. Yeah, I just, you know, that's just me. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm on that side. Yeah. That's your side as well. Yeah. So there's some stories of babies being sold or adopted out. From um, St. Anne's? From St. Anne's. Yeah, from St. Anne's. Um, like the babies that the nuns had or oh, these women yeah. had. But also much more sinister stories of infanticide and murder most foul. Mm-hmm. For it's, why did I write it this way? please read it like that for it seems that not only did a baby actually drown at saint anne's but the legend claims that saint anne's retreat existed specifically for the purpose of hiding and murdering unapproved children what that's a rumor that it was specifically used to kill children yeah like some rich guy was like hey you want this summer camp and they're like sure we got a bunch of pregnant nuns we gotta hide so Let's just stick them there. Got to figure out what to do with their babies. In the mountains of Utah and just, I don't know, maybe murder these sin babies. Wow. Well, I mean, if it's got to be one place, it's Utah seems right. Yeah. For some reason, it does. Yeah, doesn't it? What's up with that? Sorry for all our utah ands. Yeah, sorry you live in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. I, but it's true. I mean, it's very pretty, but. It's very pretty, but it sort of sucks. It does. Like a lot. Among the apparitions seen around the retreat is a phantom woman in black stalking the grounds and also the disembodied cries of a baby. A baby. A baby. As legend has it, a young nun, pregnant, of course, was sequestered away to the retreat to hide her forbidden child. When she finally gave birth to her baby, it's taken from her and she is told that it will be put in a nursery to be cared for. Mm. She's told that. Yes. The nun is then kept on bed rest to recover from giving birth, Mm -hmm. but she decides that she needs some fresh air um, and that that will help her recover quicker. So she walks out towards the pool that's sort of in the middle of this little camp. Right. And she sees the evil Mother Superior. I'm just going to say evil because what comes next? It seems like she would be, though, with that title. I just feel like to be a mother superior... You have to be evil. It's like you've killed at least one person. Or straight... Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. You've hit a... Bu- you've hit a quite a few people with rulers. Let's just put it that way. Maybe it's like when you hit like a video game. Like when you hit like 10,000 hits with a ruler, <laughs> you just like upgrade. It's like... Wah, 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 wah. Mother superior status. Yeah, and then like little rings fall out of your habit. <laughs> no, little rosaries. Oh, gross <laughs> well that's definitely how you become a mother superior yeah, that's the only way makes sense mm-hmm. so this nun who just had a baby 
uh, walks out to this pool that's, like I said, in the middle of the campground here. Mm -hmm. And she sees the mother superior standing over something floating in the water. Well, there's a baby floating (gasps) face down in the water. And the mother superior's robe sleeves are soaking wet. So the nun instinctively knows that that's her little baby. No. The nun is totally inconsolable and kills herself right then and there. Her body lands in the pool alongside her dead baby. Wow, that's some heavy shit. Yeah, there's another... Um, I'm going to go over a couple little iterations of this because the story is yeah. very wildly. Mm. But it's all pretty much the same deal. Same ending. Yeah, there's okay. another um, sort of segue story off of this one where the nun herself actually drowned her baby and then drowned herself. Yeah, I think that's the one that they go over in the Zach Bagans episode of this. Another iteration of this story is that a young woman who lived nearby was pregnant. She was looking for a safe haven away from her abusive boyfriend. She took Mm -hmm. refuge with the nuns and everything seemed super cool at first. And then the nuns started acting super strangely towards her. Just like being like rude and like just really, really weird. So at last the mother gives birth to her little baby and the mother superior, our reoccurring character here. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm starting to think that this lady is probably quite mean. Like, yeah, you know, she takes her baby from her and decides that it should be adopted out to a nice Catholic family. But this this girl wasn't a nun, though, right? She just came to them for like. Yeah, her husband was abusive and she was looking what? for help. So she went to nuns right. because who would help you besides a nun, I guess. Right. And they took her baby from her. Okay. Well, the mother was afraid of the nuns um, because, like I said, they were acting super strange. Yeah. And she thought that their intentions were evil. So in the middle of the night, she ran into the woods to sort of map out an escape plan that she would take once she was able to steal her baby back and run away. Mm -hmm. When she returned to the retreat, the grounds were splattered with blood and she wasn't able to find her baby. In fact, the entire camp was empty. No nuns, no babies. Everything was totally abandoned. Whoa. So they all, they left her and they took the baby with them? Or is it insinuating that they killed the baby and then they all left? Well, there's blood everywhere. So somebody obviously died. So, yeah. So I think that we're supposed to kind of insinuate that the baby is dead. Well, the mother went crazy because she thought her baby was dead. Right. And she was grieving for her child. So she slit her own throat at the base of the swimming pool. Her body tumbled into the pool, and her ghost remains there for all eternity, searching for her long-lost baby. Mm. Still another version that accounts for all the hauntings is that two nuns were arguing, and one of them shoves the other one. She loses balance, and she falls into the empty swimming pool, cracking her skull on the cement bottom and dying. So the the pool was empty? Yes. Oh, okay. Which, just like when I read this the first time... My, like, head hurt from this. Maybe the ghosts were channeling you. Oh, it just totally, like, it seems so gruesome to have your skull cracked open. Well, the dead nun is said to have returned night after night to haunt the sister that killed her. She was banging on the door at night and laughing maniacally. And when the nun who murdered her looked out the window, she Mm -hmm. would see glowing red eyes. Creepy. My favorite version of this story, which, again, it's all sort of the same theme here. Like, someone, a nun, dies in this pool. A baby dies, a nun dies type of thing. Yeah, like your usual baby nun death story. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, my favorite version of this is that there's a hermit that lives in the woods nearby Mm -hmm. and they snuck into the retreat to do like who knows what. They came across a nun who was walking from her cabin to the lodge and he drowned her unceremoniously in the swimming pool. Oh, hey, nun. Let me just drown you. Yeah, right. So supposedly more nuns were attacked, but they never found an offender. Interesting. I like to believe all of the versions, like like you said, like happened in some aspect. Right. I mean, the place is super haunted, so I would like to think there was maybe more than one incident to have like occur on this property to make it just ripe with all this activity. Well, I mean, that would make sense, especially if there were a bunch of pregnant nuns and yeah. they were coming there and the Catholic Church had to hide their babies. Right. Maybe there's just a bunch of stories of nuns dying and all of these just kind of got like wrapped into one. That would make the most sense as to why there's so many different stories. Yeah. I found this really like fun quote, I'll say. Fun? Yeah. We're from... going to call it fun? <laughs> we're going to call it fun. Okay. I like a little fun. Um, so I found this fun quote in an interview from a person that lives in the area. Uh His name is Russell Jones. And it reads, the ghost has always been up there in the mountains above the lodgings. Some people say it's the wind, but everybody else says it's not the wind that makes that noise. It's actually the screaming. She screams up there. Whoa. And like, that was just too spooky dooky not to read. (laughs) It's not the wind. It's the screams of the scary glowing red eyed nun ghost. Okay. Uh Yeah. Casual. People also say that if you go there during like a blood moon or like a specific full moon. Yeah. That the swimming pool fills with blood. Really? Yeah. I don't believe that. that. But how spooky. Why aren't there pictures of that? That's that's a cool, I guess, legend or tale, but I don't believe that shit. Well, no one's phones or cameras ever work when something crazy is happening. Um, That's why Bigfoot's always blurry. True. Yeah. Very true. I read one really super fun story also. Okay. um, That two nuns were taking a stroll past the swimming pool. Because remember, it's like sort of right in the middle of this camp. Yeah. So like the center of the camp, basically. Yeah. So the nuns are walking past this pool, and they saw a woman floating face down in the water, and she was wearing all black, and she sort of looked like a nun. Mm-hmm. So they run to save her, and they're totally freaking out, and like they throw in like one of those little life preserver things that have the rope attached to it, yeah. and they have like the pool skimmer that like to get like <laughs> leaves out, and they're trying to like pull this lady in, and when they reach their arms into the water to grab uh-huh. this woman. Nothing is there. She just totally disappears. Whoa. Yeah. And the only thing they were able to skim out of the pool was her habit. That would be so spooky. (laughs) Since the camp was not always occupied and to deter vandalism, the church purchased guard dogs to keep the property safe at all times. Hmm. So this leads me to the story of Hakita and the Hellhounds. Okay, stop. Yeah. (laughs) We're starting a fucking metal band and we're calling ourselves Hakita and the Hellhounds. Okay, honestly, how fucking badass is that? That is sound? the most metal name I've ever heard in my life. I I have to agree with you. Can I be Hakita? Can I be the Hellhounds? Yes. Like all of them? Yes. <laughs> That's it, so cool. It just sounds so cool. Some say that a phantom woman dressed in black stalks around the grounds of St. Anne's Retreat. And she's accompanied by two vicious white Doberman pinchers with glowing eyes. Metal. So metal. Also, just white Doberman pinchers is so metal. I know. With red eyes. 
Totally. I mean, if they're albino, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Others say that the woman can be seen walking seven of the most vicious black dogs that you'll ever be unlucky enough to come across. Okay. So they're either two glowing white red eyes Doberman or seven black Dobermans. Yeah. But it's like, there's tons of accounts different online. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's four dogs. Sometimes it's seven or two or. Mm. Okay. We just know that there's a a nun and a and some dogs yeah we just know that hakita and the hellhounds hellhounds. has taken the stage (laughs) just like all the stories with the nuns and their babies there are several iterations of this one as well so i want to talk about the two that i thought were the coolest okay legend says that a nun named hakita which again she's like share she just has the one name A nun named Hakita was living at St. Anne's Retreat over the winter with 12 other nuns and a mother superior. Oh, there she is again. There she is. Hakita took care of seven black Afghan hounds that guarded the property and the nuns from intruders. Have you ever seen an Afghan hound? I don't think I have. What They're do they look like? Like super pretty. They're like kind of like greyhounds, but they have super long hair. Oh, I was not picturing them long haired at all. They're very cool. Okay. So just picture like seven giant black hairy dogs. Long hair. And like Hakita, who's wearing a habit and probably holding like an axe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, in my head, I just like keep on replaying like, I'm Hakita and these are the hellhounds. <laughs> and it's just like a sick like, <laughs> now, now, now. <laughs> right. I just, I can't unhear it now. So. <laughs> Can one of our listeners please draw us like Hakita and the hellhounds and we will make it into a shirt. Oh, that would be fucking so sick, cool. dude. So cool. Well, that winter had been especially snowy and the nuns would receive weekly food deliveries and fuel to sustain them because it was too snowy to come out of the mountains or out of the canyon oh. and go into the town because it's about 10 miles away. Okay. So one day the usual delivery man drove up to the retreat and he wasn't greeted by the nuns as he had always been. Finding this super strange, He got out of his truck and he walked into the lodge to find a super bloody scene. The bodies of nuns, raped and murdered, lay strewn all over the lodge, all over the retreat, and also throughout the cabins in their beds or just wherever, basically. Shit. So the theory is that a man had broken into St. Anne's retreat to defile and murder the nuns and the mother superior. Mm-hmm. 13 bodies were found but hakita's was missing along with her dogs when the man began to head back to town the delivery man yeah um to get some help he saw a woman chasing after him what? with her dogs the man drove faster than what we can assume is hakita could right. catch him and he never went back to the retreat so the dog saved her that's what I would like to think. Um, dogs are the best things in the world, and we don't deserve them as people. No, we super don't. But get ready for this story about dogs. Okay. Uh, another story claims that there was a witch named Hakita. Love it even more. And she lived in the wilderness near the retreat, but she wasn't a nun. She was a witch. She was a witch named Hakita that lived in the fucking wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> Just what, like, my life goals right. are this. I feel like with a name like Hakita, you have to be a witch living in the world wilderness with a bunch of dogs. I think it's, like, your birthright. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. So one day, witch Hakita was approached by a nun that had fallen madly in love with a handyman that worked at the retreat. 
Their love was obviously forbidden because she was a nun. Right. But this nun thought she had a loophole. The nun purchased two white Dobermans from Hakita, large, vicious dogs, to kill the other nuns. What? Once the nuns were out of the picture, she would be free to love whoever she chose. She couldn't just run away? She had to kill everyone? (laughs) I don't... You know what, man? You're in the wilderness of Utah. You're trapped with a bunch of nuns in the middle of winter. There's a witch with two white Dobermans. The only way... She's like, the only way that I will be free to love who I love is if I kill all of my friends. They probably were her friends if she was willing to kill them. Well, I mean, I guess, but... And also... I'm just going to put this out there. Ladies, do not kill over a man. Yeah, come on. Like, come on. Come on. The nun had kept the dogs in a woodshed on the mountainside that no one knew about. And one night, she let the dogs loose to do her evil bidding. (laughs) She got a lantern and a hatchet, and she and the dogs slaughtered all of the nuns and the mother superior. Wow. Like tag team style? Oh, you got it, right? (laughs) Nice. Time passed until a delivery man came to the retreat to drop off supplies. Mm. They found the nuns' dead bodies piled up in the swimming pool. Oh, well, easier cleanup. It makes sense to me. I mean, just like when you sweep under the rug. You just sweep into the swimming pool? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. Well, the delivery man drove back to the nearby town, and he gathered others to travel back to the retreat with him. It was there that they found the murderous nun and her dogs, and decided on that spot to hang her by the neck until she was dead. The people gave her the chance to speak her last words, which are, I will forever haunt this place. Savage. So fucking savage. (laughs) Locals say that you can hear the sound of dogs barking from St. Anne's Retreat in the night, and if you look into the mountains near it, you can see the light from a lantern walking on the side of the mountain and in the surrounding area. Ooh. Some say that you can see a figure of a woman walking her dogs through the property at night, all of them having red glowing eyes. Hmm. If you yell, this is like a little urban legend here. Yeah. If you yell the name Hakita three times, some say you have to yell witch Hakita, which I'm here for also. Yeah. If you yell it three times at the entrance of the St. Anne's retreat, a blue fog will roll down from the mountains and the sound of dogs barking and howling will fill the canyon. So she's like the Bloody Mary or, I guess, the Candyman of St. Anne's Retreat? Or the Beetlejuice. Or the Beetlejuice. Don't say it again! Beetlejuice. No! Beetlejuice. Oh, God. <laughs> Michael Keaton, get out of here! <laughs> How does Michael Keaton worm his way into all of our episodes? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Frankly, he is not paying us enough to be a sponsor. He's not. He's not. Michael, we know you're listening. Hey. What's up? <laughs> well, as you drive away from St. Anne's Retreat after saying Hakita three times, mm-hmm. you will see the ghosts of Hakita chasing you, dogs in tow in your rearview mirror as you are leaving. And of course, along with all legends, come ghost hunters, which brings us to the true life horrors, which Nicole will tell us about right now. Yes. All right. Now that we've heard about all the legends and the spooky stories that plague St. Anne's Retreat, let's talk about a real scary story that happened on these grounds. And let me just start off by saying that this is legit what horror movies are made of. This really, really is like the beginning of a horror movie IRL. 
I cannot believe, first off, that there isn't a horror movie made about this. Literally the same thing popped into my mind and I googled so hard for a horror movie, even just like a shitty horror like B movie yeah. that had to do with this. There's literally nothing. So someone listening, please make one because the story's basically written for you. There's not this doesn't seem like a very well known story in general. It's really not. And there there wasn't so there wasn't that much information online. I will say that a lot of my information came from the Ghost Adventures episode because yeah. in the episode, he actually interviews people who went through it. Yeah. And I couldn't find any of that online. So apparently Zach Bagans is, I don't know. He's got the scoop. He's got the scoop. So our story starts on October 10th, 1997, when eight teenagers decided that they wanted some spooks and made a plan to make their way up to St. Anne's Retreat. October, looking for spooky dukes. Yep. That's what's up, man. So this spot was known to be a big hangout for teens who would go up there to hang out, drink beer, maybe paint some graffiti, you know, punk kid shit. <laughs> Since it was nearing Halloween, the kids wanted a free haunted house and had known all about the rumors and the stories from the past. So the kids trespassed onto the camp and went straight for the area they had known to be the most haunted, the pool. Yeah, this is, um, so no one is there at this time. I forgot to mention that in the beginning, Uh but in the 80s, the whole place kind of shut down. It turned into like a summer camp. For a brief period. For kids. Yes, for children. Um, okay, so it turned into Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> basically. And then it just shut down. And like, it's for sale yeah. right now uh-huh. from what I saw. But no one has been there since like the 80s. Like, so no one's stayed there. Yeah, okay. it's super abandoned. Got it. Okay. So while the kids were there, they claimed that they saw a white dog with red eyes Which legend goes, like Noelle said, if you see this hellhound, bad things will follow. So many people who have visited St. Anne's Retreat have seen this hellhound, and they refuse to step foot back on the property because of it. Ah, yes. Hakita's hellhounds. Hakita's hounds. So in the Ghost Adventures episode, Zach interviews two of the eight kids who were there that night, Wyatt and Brienne. There's no last names. They just said Wyatt and Brienne. So they're older now because, remember, this happened in 1997. All right. I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Maybe it's just because they're from Utah, but (laughs) these are absolutely the names of little punk-ass kids. Wyatt and Bran. I'm Wyatt. I just want to get, like, a free haunted house. (laughs) And Brienne is like, "Um, yeah, like, Wyatt, we should just, like, go. Totally, like, "Mm, like, I don't want to pay. But, like, I, like, want to be, like, super spooked out. You know what I mean? So, like, if you just, like, right. want to go, like, we could, like, totally go. And why it's, like, yeah. What? Yeah. But also, are there haunt- haunted houses in Utah? Are they allowed? They probably have, like, those <laughs> really stupid, like, haunted church trails. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, like, the church ones where, like, you go through and it's, like, that teaches you about, like, sins and stuff. And there's, like, a drunk man on the floor and it's, like, this is sloth. And you just, like, have to watch this man eat food. And then at the end of it, you listen to, like, a 45-minute sermon. Mm, You ever been to one of those? No, I haven't. It's a fucking trip, man. (laughs) You have? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know. I hate haunted houses. And I got... I never, ever go to haunted houses. Uh And I went to one um, years and years ago. And it was basically like that. It was, like, you go through 
I should have known because it was at a fucking church. <laughs> <laughs> and you like go from like room to room and there was yeah. like a woman and she was like screaming and there was like a bowl full of spaghetti and like a surgeon. <laughs> and he was like, she had to have an abortion because she had premarital sex. And all the kids were Did like. Did they make you touch the spaghetti? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but in the next room, they had a bowl full of peeled grapes, and they told us they were eyeballs. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know that trick. Classic. I know that trick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's what they have in Utah for haunted houses. <laughs> well, then I don't blame them for going to St. Anne's. Yeah, Try to get some spooks. Okay, so the kids also experienced another legend that is pop- a popular experience in the property that you also spoke about. So Wyatt says that they thought that they could hear a baby crying in the pool area. So obviously they went to go and investigate. And this is the pool where the nun drowned her baby. Now Wyatt claims that he saw a nun standing by the edge of the pool looking down into it. <gasps> At this point, the, the pool is, there's no water in it either. It's completely empty because it's abandoned. Right. So almost immediately after they experience this weirdness, so we have the hellhound, we have mm-hmm. the nun, the baby cries, They are met by three security guards carrying 10-gauge shotguns with flashlights strapped to the barrel. Okay, that's super, first off, super lame. (laughs) So the guards shot at the eight kids while they were standing around the pool, shot over their heads. Okay. Wyatt says that there was an older man and then two younger men, and that the older man seemed to be the one who was running the show. These men were named John Jepson. He was the older man. Mm-hmm. Christopher Doer, who was actually Jepson's son-in-law. Oh. And then Arthur Peasnall. That's a disgusting name. <laughs> so Zach also interviews a man named, I'm going to butcher this, Tito Thanadabuth. Thanadabuth? Thanadabuth. That's what we're going to go with. Thanadabuth. So, Tito Thanadabuth. Tito Thanadabuth. So Tito says that one of the guards pulled him out of the pool, made him get on his stomach, and hogtied him with zip ties. Holy shit. Then the man tells all of the teenagers to get on their feet, and he leads them to a cabin and tells them, I'm going to show you what it's like to be scared. Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, can you imagine this? I would absolutely piss my pants. It's a straight up horror movie. That's what I'm saying. It's like an actual horror movie. So he forces the kids down on their knees and he sits them in a half circle. So they're on their knees in a half circle. He zip ties all of their hands behind their backs. He also takes a rope and he ties it around their necks and tells them that it is detonating cord. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he says it was linked. He says it's linked to a fuse. And if they moved, the fuse would ignite and decapitate them. Meanwhile, the two younger men are still standing there, guns pointed at these kids. Okay. I just want to interject here. Really mm-hmm. quick. Um, as an adult woman, this is extremely unbelievable that a person would wrap a detonating wire around my neck. Right. But in the moment, and if you are a child... Yeah. This would be the most terrifying fucking thing. And I cannot believe these people don't have PTSD from this. Right. Well, I said I was like, I was thinking I probably wouldn't believe it was a detonating cord, but I think the guns alone pointed at my face would have been enough for me not to move. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, I don't think I would, because I don't think he had a fuse. Like he just had like a rope and said it was connected to a fuse, but nobody saw it. So cool. James Bond. Question that. Yeah. 
Okay, so at this point, the kids are, they straight up just think they're going to die. Like, while he's interviewing them, they say that the way that he was threatening them, he it felt like he was going to follow through with everything that he said. Wow. So Brianne says that his eyes were different, almost as if there was something possessing him and taking over his body and making him do these things. She says that his eyes were just pure evil, but she was also kind of coerced by yeah. Zach Bagans uh, yeah. into saying that. So, I mean, I'm sure he had evil eyes because he was pointing a gun at you, but... Well, okay, I think... Yeah, I want to talk about the whole episode yeah. when you're done going over this true crime event. Okay. Um, because I think we seriously need to get into it. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. Okay. So the kids stayed in this position on their knees, tied up with the rope around their necks for four hours. And Tito asks the man, what are you going to do with us? And the man says, why did you come up here? And Tito says, to see if the legend was true. If, you know, there's really evil, if there are ghosts and nuns and dogs and all that. To which the man responds... Every single person who has died here, I killed them and buried them underneath this cabin. Um, Some pretty fucked up shit. <laughs> okay, sir. Yeah. So these men took pictures of them, too. The older man threatened them by saying things like, sit up straight or I'll slit your throats, stuff like that. For four hours, these kids are on their knees, basically being terrorized. Why is it that these creeps always fucking take pictures like what is it with psychopaths and their trophies right and that, that's actually so what they thought that they were doing Brianne said that she thought that they were taking pictures as like a before and after oh no so like this is what we looked like before and this is like what after they're dead that's super sad super scary yeah. to be a teenager thinking that in your head is all this is going on so three out of the eight teenagers were Cambodian, Laotian, and Vietnamese. This man put a gun to one of their heads, called him a racial slur, shot his gun, and at first the kids thought that their friend had been shot and killed, but apparently he had shot it at the ground instead. So near him, but at the ground as okay. a means to try to scare him even more. Right. The older man was also cited as talking about fighting for his country in Vietnam and was also quoted as saying, you all look Vietnamese to me. You mean nothing to me. Oh, okay. So it's one of those like, I bleed red, white, and motherfucking blue. One of those. Racist ass fucking scare quotes patriots. I'm going to bet he voted for Trump. I'm putting it out there. Oh, well, putting it out there. I'm not going to say he didn't, <laughs> but he's like an adult fucking man with his right. little buddies and mm-hmm. he's all, you know what I'm going to do for America? America? I'm going to tie up these children who are probably in middle school. <laughs> I'm going to scare the shit out of them, take a couple Polaroids, and then, I don't know, maybe like drink eight to 11 uh, Bud Lights. <laughs> Because that's America's drink. America. Maybe he's a Bud Heavy drinker. Oh, Bud Heavy. I hate the phrase Bud Heavy I also. It's so disgusting. <laughs> so like I said, this torment lasted for hours until Jepson actually was the one who called the county sheriff's deputies and reported on the children for trespassing. 
So he called the cops himself, but he just oh. wanted to like play around with them for a little bit. Right. So he wanted to pretend like he had a big dick and like scare these children. Yeah. He had yeah. The, the BDE. He for sure. fucking wishes. He wishes. <laughs> the cops came. They handcuffed the kids. They bring them back to the station. They get cited for trespassing and then they get released. After over four hours of this. Yep. Okay. So it doesn't just end there. What? In comes group number two of teenagers. Because like I said, this was a popular hangout. Right. A lot of kids had an idea, this idea of coming up here and scaring themselves. Right. And it's October, spooky season. Exactly. The best time of year. So the first group of kids was just eight. Later that night, after all of the events with the first group, the next group shows up and they... These are, there are 30 kids and they're planning on doing the same thing. Just some good old legend tripping, which is a term that I have literally never heard of until I researched this case. Dude, same on legend tripping. Like it must honestly be just like a Utah colloquialism because I've never heard it before. Also, it has to be like super late at night by this time. Like if the first group of kids came and it was nighttime, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And then they're tied up for over four hours. I can only assume that it's, like, super fucking early in the morning. Right. Oh, yeah. It's It's got to be, like, at least 2 or 3 a.m. Right. So the three men surprised these teenagers as they crossed the bridge leading to the property, and they herded them into the swimming pool. <gasps> so these kids didn't even get to make their way, based, like, on the property yet. They were caught right away, yeah. and they bring them straight to the pool. So these men do essentially the exact same thing. They make all 30 kids and 30 kids. How did these guys wrangle 30 kids? I mean, they had guns, but that's so many children. I bet you some ran. Probably. I would. I would have run too. So he makes all of the 30 kids get on their knees in the pool. He ties their hands behind their backs and he does his little trick where he ties a long rope around their necks And he tells them if they move, they will be blown up. Oh, all right, dude. Like we said before, I wonder how many of these kids actually believe that that was actually detonating cord. Right. But also, I mean, just it would be super scary. Yeah. Yeah, Like this whole thing is scary. And it's, I mean, 30 of your friends basically are sitting in the swimming pool with dudes with guns. Right. Like we're going to die basically. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the girls in the group says that her breasts were fondled by one of the men. Oh, not surprising. And I believe it was the older man. Another boy in the group was hit on the head with the butt of a shotgun by the older man. Whoa. So once again, the guards say are saying really messed up shit to these kids, telling them things like, if you guys run, we'll shoot your legs off, <laughs> stuff like that. Eventually, once again, Jepson calls the county sheriff's department And the kids get cited. So at first, these three men are regarded as heroes for catching these meddling kids. However, that thought doesn't hold up once the parents find out what actually transpired that evening. So I'm not sure if it's Cachet or Cache County. We'll have to have one of our Utahian listeners tell us. But many of the teens involved in this incident had to go through counseling over the trauma that they had experienced that night. Makes fucking sense. Obviously. (laughs) This is so traumatic. 
As I said earlier, the teens were all cited for trespassing charges. However, these charges were later dropped because it was discovered that the land was owned by the Forest Service. So I guess if you want to rent or own a cabin on the property up there, it comes with a permit and like a yearly fee. Uh So the area they were is known they were at was known as the compound. So this is, that's the area with the pool and like the cabin surrounding it. And I guess at this time it wasn't technically privately being rented by anyone. Oh, okay. So just the forest service owned it. Okay. So they threw out the charges. Yeah. There were also questions about the men and their right to act in the way that they did. Cause I mean, obviously it's super fucked up, but they did. Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to hit children on the head Mm. with a butt of a rifle. No, especially since John Jepson wasn't technically a hired as a security guard. What? He was hired as a maintenance worker, basically just to watch over the land. Oh, so he was supposed to be mowing the lawn. Yeah. But instead he was, uh, well, I guess he was the one that called the cops and he, ended these things He twice. taped shot, uh, flashlights to shotguns yeah, and would like, roam the property. <laughs> he checked that off his list, like mowed the lawn, check, taped uh, shotguns and... Mm. Flashlights. Uh, tape uh, the flashlights to the shotguns. Check. Okay, great. Uh, go buy more red vines. Gotta go do that later. <laughs> 30 kids to handcuff and oh, okay, we got them. Yeah, got them. Double check. <laughs> so all three of the guards pled guilty to their crimes. John Jepson, who was the older man, he was the leader of the group, was originally charged with four counts of attempted aggravated assault two counts of aggravated assault, and one count of forcible sexual abuse for fondling one of the girls in the group, but that was later dropped. Oh, that's bullshit that that was dropped. Yeah. So in June of 1998, remember this happened in October of 97, Uh Jepson pleaded guilty to two counts of aggravated assault, which are third degree felonies. Oh, fuck yeah. So Jepson apologized to the victims and their families during his hearing. He said, I hurt them, and I am sorry. I stepped out of bounds. Wow. Uh, Jepson. Yeah, no that's shit. the understatement of the fucking year. <laughs> Judge Clint Judkins. This. I can't. Judge Clint Judkins. Oh, it's me, Clint Judkins, here to judge this trial. Do you want to read that quote since you're here with us, Judkins? <laughs> oh, I will, little lady. The court is encouraged by your demeanor. But the abuse was totally out of line, and the punishment must reflect that, Jepson. The victims The victims here demand a punishment, Mr. Jepsons. <laughs> that last part was just improvised. That wasn't actually part of the quote. I just like to set that for the record. No, he did that. He shook his face like Richard Nixon. <laughs> Okay, so at the time of the hearing, Jepson had already served three months in jail. So he was sentenced another three months, so he served a total of six months in jail. He was also ordered to pay an oddly specific amount of $3,398 in fines and restitution. Um, I wonder how they arrived at that number. I Could we have just made it an even four? No. $3,398.18 and one postage stamp. I'm, hey. He also had to complete anger management counseling at his own expense. That's probably a good choice. Probably for the best. Yeah. Christopher Doer and Arthur Piesnall, 
who were the two little lackeys that just kind of followed him around and did what he said, were sentenced in August of 1998. So they were sentenced to 90 days in cash, cachet, Cachet County Jail and were also ordered to pay fines and restitution totaling about $3,000. Not (laughs) $3,398? No. That little extra $398 was just for Jepson. (laughs) So the judge also ordered them to enter into a mental health counseling program because of what they did to these kids. Yeah, no shit. So after they got a jail... After they got out of jail, they had to go into a mental health counseling program. So here's the question that I'd like to ask you. Okay. Was Jepson possessed by the ghost that lingers around St. Anne's Retreat, or is he just an asshole? He is a grade A motherfucking asshole. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm on, I'm on that boat, too. There is no fucking chance that this no. middle-aged man with a fucking BB gun with a flashlight taped <laughs> to the end of it didn't think that he was John Rambo. Right protecting this abandoned ass fucking camp from children yeah like that is a power trip to the fucking 10th degree Power trip so hard i will say though that the cabin that the first group was brought into yeah is said to be a cabin that shows a lot of activity to various ghost hunters who visit the property not just zach right other ghost hunters come here (laughs) so it's said that men in particular seem to be affected by its energy Many men have reported feeling a feeling of unease, uh, self-pity, like they hate themselves while in that cabin. Okay, but all of this started outside of the cabin. Right. I mean, it has nothing. I'm not trying to like mansplain for yeah. this guy No, right no, now. I don't I'm think you saying. are. I don't think you are at all. Um, but I mean, this started yeah. on like Tuesday at 10 a.m. when he decided right. to tape a fucking flashlight <laughs> to the end of his gun. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like... Are we going to talk about Ghost Adventures? Do you want to? Because I want to. I super want to. Okay. So I just want to point out some like highlights from this episode. Okay. Okay. So if you've seen Ghost Adventures, you know basically what happens in every episode. But some highlights here. So Zach brings a psychic medium to the site. Yes. She cries. Sure does. She like wails. Um, she says her breasts feel damaged. Yeah. She just like is totally fondling herself. <laughs> and then she hugs Zach like 10 minutes later. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she also says three, three, three. Oh my God. So many times. And then Zach immediately starts connecting anything he can with the number three. So yeah. he's like, wait, there's three of us and there's three of you. And my hand has three fingers plus two fingers. And I put three sugars in my coffee this morning. And I have two eyes and two plus one is three. What? <laughs> That no, that's basically it's, a quote. It's basically a quote from. <laughs> I was gonna call him Father Zach Bagans. <laughs> I'm gonna get a prayer candle with Zach Bagans on it. Mm. Zach also locks one of his guys in the cabin with the most activity alone. <laughs> I love it. Boards it up. Yeah. Puts nails, windows in the windows and the doors with this poor man inside because you know how he loves to do that. Wait, wait. I have a quote. Okay. I have a quote from this part. So I wrote this down earlier because it just made me laugh so hard. Wait, this is an actual quote from this is an actual quote. Okay. okay. Zach says, I'm not going in there. Everyone has their limits. I'm too scared. <laughs> okay. And then he proceeds to send these two guys, Jay and Billy, mm-hmm. off on their own. Um, after Zach has totally like conjured demons and threatened them and like gotten real fucking weird with these dark en- like entities. And 
he's just like go in this cabin and I'm going to lock you in here and see what happens. Well, he also makes Aaron stand in the pool by himself. I love While Aaron. he is screaming about opening the veil to hell. Come at me. Come at me, demons. But, okay, so like each of the guys, <laughs> so he has he has Billy like go upstairs by himself, but Billy's the bitch. Like Billy always just bitches about having to do it. Oh, totally. And he cries about it, but then he like gets angry because hashtag demons. Like you gotta. And Jay's usually just like, okay and then like goes in and nothing happens he's the one who gets locked in the cabin yeah he's not a drama queen like everyone else (laughs) and then aaron is just like used to it by now because he's been zach's whipping boy since season one dude but he still gets super scared and it's hilarious and let's be honest it should just be called aaron's ghost adventures by this point um aaron is my favorite character he is mine too i feel like i am aaron in all these situations (laughs) every time in like I came up here to the haunted attic earlier today to like uh-huh. put just put my computer on our desk and go downstairs and I heard the floor creak and I straight mm. up let out a huh! out loud <laughs> in my own fucking house. Nice. So and then the last thing is that Zach yells at a ghost to push him over a railing. Yes. Which I wish one of these days they actually would. Can you imagine? Finally the ghost is just like, "Well, fuck it. Fine." You've been asking us to murder you for years. <laughs> they just finally do it. Did you ever, this is just a tangent on mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures because it's my mm-hmm. favorite show ever. <laughs> um, did you see the one where he went to Lizzie Borden's house? I think so. So he's like laying on the, let me set the tableau for you. Okay. He's like laying on the floor in the yeah. hallway where like supposed murder happened. Right. Okay. And he puts, he like leans a small hatchet against the wall. <laughs> Like mere inches from his face, mm-hmm. and he's screaming at Lizzie Borden to make the hatchet fall on his face. <laughs> it's my favorite thing I have ever seen on TV. What if someone just like slams a door in another room and it <laughs> just falls on accident? He'd be like, I'm Zach Bagans. You see this scar? Lizzie Borden's ghost made a small hatchet fall on my cheek. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, overall, pretty solid episode. I mean, it's a lot of yelling at ghosts, and yeah. Zach doesn't get locked in anything or have to do anything by himself, which he never does. It's so. pretty textbook uh, ghost adventures. GA, yeah, yeah. So, so they go through just to kind of like recap into this again. So they go to the St. Anne's retreat. Um, mm-hmm. Zach finds that it's very important that he meditate for an entire day. Oh, yeah. He meditates in front of a like creek or something. For some reason. <laughs> to get um, in the right mental and physical mindset, Noel. He again, we believe in three things in this house. One, ghosts. Two, adventures. Three, that Zach Bacon only wears black because his grandmother's ghost visited him one time and told him to wear black and now he only does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what we believe. I know. It's on on the plaque on your wall behind you. Yes. It's right there. But he's the most dramatic fucking ghost hunter. (laughs) And like, he has to be like this major joke in like the whole like industry. I think he is. I think he really, I think, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I think it's pretty, he's pretty laughable. I mean, I love Zach Bagans, but I can understand. I love to hate Zach Bagans. Oh. But I do. I get it. Have a little love. Yeah, like, I get it. I get it for sure. I mean, there's this part in the beginning where he's like, I'm not saying that as like a question. 
I'm saying that as a true fact. <laughs> and then it does like the ghost adventures noise where it's like, it's like Yeah, and it like zooms in on his stupid face wearing his glasses and his like N ninety five mask. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I love the show. This is just we're just talking about ghost adventures at this point. It's this is a ghost adventures podcast. It's yes, this is officially a ghost adventures mm. club fan club podcast. Yeah. If you came for anything else, I don't know what to tell Leave. you. Leave. Leave. If you go to Quite Unusual has transitioned <laughs> into a Ghost Adventures fan club podcast dot org. Because we're an organization now. Yeah. Um, you can donate to us buying Zach Bagan's more black Jenko jeans. I was going to say buying his Jenko jeans for us to wear. Do you think he would sign them? If we paid enough? Yes. I bet we're the same size as him. <laughs> probably <laughs> almost undoubtedly do you think he still has like an affliction shirt that we could like borrow hell yeah yeah and i want one of his rings too he would never well he would never give them up <laughs> anyways do Sorry. we do we now since now this is officially transitioned do we have a listener lore to try to wrap all this shit yes up? yeah okay. i'll stop just talking about how much i love ghost adventures so i'm so sorry to just end this on a tangent but we have a very, very cool, crazy true crime story from our listener, Alexis. All right. I'm pulling this up right now. Okay. So Alexis says, hey, ladies, I recently discovered your podcast and you've been asking for listeners to send in their crazy experiences. So I figured I would send one in. Sorry. It's so long. Oh, my gosh. Don't even apologize. We Never, love the long ones. ever apologize. So she says, my first crazy true crime experience was when I was about 17 and coming home from work. I was working in the shoe section of our local JCPenney, if you wanted to know. I pulled into the alleyway because I usually parked in the garage in the back, but as I pulled into the alley, there was a police car in our driveway next to the garage and a car parked sideways across our driveway with the driver's door open and was still running. It wasn't a vehicle I recognized, but my Uncle Mike was standing outside by our gate at the top of the driveway. I pulled up and was like, um, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) My uncle told me to pull around and park in front and come in the front door and they would tell me what was up. So I did. Come to find out that there was a car chase happening through our neighborhood about 15 minutes before the end of my shift and the man being chased had chosen our driveway as the perfect place to ditch his car and tried to run out the cops on foot. Yikes. It was whack. (laughs) And we had to wait for the police to get this guy's car out of our driveway before we could go anywhere. The craziest part of this was that I had been offered by my boss to leave work early that night, but I chose to stay because I had nothing better to do. And it was only about 20 minutes until close. If I would have taken her offer, I wouldn't have missed all the action and would have probably witnessed the whole thing on my drive home. <gasps> Thanks. I know. She could have been like hit or something. Right? Wow. Crazy. Thanks for the awesome work that you do on the podcast. I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with your theme song. And if it was a ringtone, I would totally buy it. Oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. Celebrate the strange and keep it unusual, Alexis. Oh, and shout out. To Alexis's pet hedgehog. So cute. Shaquille O'Neal. Oh my God. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille. Shaquille. It's like a pun with like the word quill in it. And this is like the cutest thing ever. So if you guys have Instagram, follow Shaquille O'Neal because it's very, very cute. (laughs) 
Thank that was awesome. Thank you for that. Yes, super cool. Thank you so much, Alexis. If any of you out there listening have a cool, crazy story, whether it's true crimey or paranormal, or even if you just want to say hi to us, yeah, um, feel free to reach out. You can email us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the social meets. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Quite Unusual Pod. Join our Facebook group. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Yes. If you, for a limited time only, <laughs> if you leave us a five-star review and a written review, mm-hmm. um, we will send you stickies. We're sending them out on this Saturday that's yes. coming up. Everyone, they're coming. They're, they're coming. coming. I am carving crayons like my fingers are covered in wax and blood. <laughs> yeah, there's blood all over the place. It's fucking gross so you your crayons are coming with your name carved into them and you know what shit if you leave us a review right now in the last you know before this coming saturday or whatever um i will carve your name into a crayon send you some stickers and uh three pieces of candy corn and a Reese's pumpkin. So that you can decide for yourself which one is better because we all know I, that it is candy corn. I won on the poll. I won on the Instagram poll. I don't want to talk about it. Well. I, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. I mean, they're delicious. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But you know what? <laughs> whatever. All right. Should we just celebrate the strange? Yeah. Keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.